Okay, ladies and gentlemen, so three of us are in a psych ward right now. Two of us are within the realm of um, reality, somewhat, and one of us is within 24 different identities. You have to pick which one is which. Go. I don't know. Go Um, I, I, I'll be glass. Of course I'm James McAvoy. Welcome to the Master Movie Podcast. Oh, my gosh. Um... Could have been done. You could have been David Dunn. No, yeah. I, by the way, by the way, I'm this David week Mac- has gone for me. I'm I'm James McAvoy. I'm in 24 different places. Oh, One of okay. which is a mystery. Ow! Will you stop hurting yourself? I, I can't help myself. Masochist. Um. <laughs> Masochist, he says. <laughs> so, uh, usually. Um, what happens? So, okay, so let me just lay this down for you guys. Okay, first order of business. I need to say this. First bit of sad news. I lost the X-Men recordings. They are dead. They died somewhere within the carcass of my computer. Uh, I cannot get them back. Disney, so they basically don't exist anyways. Plus, Brian (laughs) Singer just just got accused more. So, I guess it's, I guess it's perfect timing. Um, probably shouldn't release this anyway. So, um, so yeah, those are gone forever, so we're just gonna start over after tonight. Um, not gonna start over X-Men, we're gonna start in a new path. We're gonna see where the wheel takes us. Um. I love it. I love it. So, um, instead Uh, of doing nine movies, (laughs) oh, my God, nine movies, um, we're gonna, um, move on. Just move on. Yep. Until Dark Never Phoenix comes Never out. So, second bit of sad news. I meant to catch glass this week. Circumstances outside my control did not allow me to do so. And um, so, Zach and Alex are going to talk about it. Is it. Alex just got back from the theater, I think, right? Me? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I watched it this afternoon a while ago. Oh, never mind. Um, yeah. So, since it's me that missed it, usually it's one of you two and we delay it a week. Since it's me, I'll take responsibility and we'll just go. Okay. That's the whole mentality behind it. It's just like, it's me, so it's my fault. So, I'll bear okay. the, I'll bear the, no. the punishment. I'll let you guys just go off. Okay. Um, so, with that being said, after this fresh start, Zach, get to the news. So, a couple things happened this week. Uh, for starters, uh, Lee Uncrick retired from Pixar. Well, I shouldn't say retired. He's leaving Pixar. Right. And it's- so, the director of Toy Story 2, 3, and Coco is no longer with Pixar. So, he wasn't the mind behind um, Inside Out. No, he uh, appears not. He was the mind behind Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., Finding Nemo, uh, Toy Story 3, and Coco. Well, he shouldn't have any uh, any trouble finding work outside of Pixar, if he decides to no. do that. No, he'll, he'll be good. He's he, fine. He, it looks like he's leaving the industry as a whole to spend time with his family, so... Well, Ronda Rousey's doing the same thing, apparently, so, yeah. So... Good on him. Uh, another big... Oh, what? Go ahead, Alex. Or Alex, were you going to speak? 
crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Pixar is losing all their their best talent, basically, one by one. Ah, it won't affect. It won't affect them. Wait, who else have they lost? Uh, John Lasseter, Brad Bird, <laughs> Pete Doc, Andrew Staten, and Lee Oric have all left now. Oh, wait, wait. Oh, huh. Yeah. I didn't hear that. Yeah. I didn't hear that. I didn't hear all those guys left. It's been happening all year. Like, uh, John Lasseter left for sexual allegation charges, so. Yeah, good riddance. Um. Uh, Brad Bird. Uh, that was a shocker you know, to me. Brad Bird does other stuff, so you know he's kind of does whatever he does. I was and, gonna say Brad Bird left a while ago. Technically, he was contractually obligated to make uh, Incredibles two. Yeah, he wants to do live action. And Last Andrew Staten is, and Andrew Staten left to work on Stranger Things. So, oh, the guy I, behind. So it doesn't seem like they're having created differences within Pixar, like. Brad Bird has been happening for a while. Lasseter didn't want to leave. He was kicked out for obvious reasons. And Stanton just had his hands in a different thing that became a success. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, there's another big... There's a, there's actually one other big bit of news, though, that I actually want to talk about. Oh. Uh, I'm wondering if it's going to be what I was going to talk about it, but go ahead. Uh, so the first previews of Alita Battle Angel came out this week. Oh. And the film looks very good. Uh, all the the press are saying <laughs> it's very good. Uh, they praise Robert Rodriguez. Uh, they say the best part, uh, some of the really big things are the story, the script, the action, the visual effects, and the performances. So, and a lot of people are saying it looks really good, and it is really good. So, hmm. here's the thing about Alita Battle Angel. It's different with Bumblebee for me. I knew I was going to be right about Bumblebee. I'm not sure about Alita Battle Angel. I hope well, it's, it's good. It's written by James Cameron. I have not seen a bad written James Cameron movie yet. Um, Surely I haven't heard exists. anything about Alita Battle, Battle Angel. I've just seen a couple more trailers on it. Um, I hope it's good. I mean, I want Robert Rodriguez to be good. And yeah, I mean, James Cameron hasn't written a lot. He really makes the stuff that he writes, which... Yeah. Uh, kind of the point but um outside of that i mean fingers crossed for it but i i haven't heard any press about it yet yeah oh well this press was like within the last week that they had this private press screening for reviews and people were talking about it it's about a month out and uh, three weeks is there is there nothing is there no other big news that you can think of that happened this week no uh, i i'm probably missing something but yeah, the Oscar nominations, dude. Hey! Oscar nuts! Um, Hereditary well, got shut out, I heard. Alex, I, 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 didn't... I, I love it. You know, like, the, a guy leaves Pixar and Alita Bad Angel came out and they're like, guys, I can't think of anything. Like, the Oscar <laughs> Dude, the Oscars did not... I, okay, so I obviously very much, like, ran that out of my head because I was not very impressed with them at all. Uh, yeah, it sounds like you're not really an Oscar kind of guy. No, it's not that I'm not an Oscar. It's that I did not like the nominations this year, and I think that Bohemian Rhapsody should not be nominated for... <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the other thing. Like, I don't think... I, I think they're... Uh, yeah. I, Bohemian Rhapsody, for me, is the is the 
blind spot of this year. Yeah. Like, like the movie Blind Spot. Yeah. But I feel like that's what it is. I don't mind that Black Panther got a Best Picture nom. It was probably going to get one anyway, just because I think I think culturally it had a huge impact. And yeah. I feel like their that's their um that's their kind of like uh, mea culpa for Dark Knight, which I mean most people are like Beck and Jack going like the Dark Knight should have been nominated. Well, everyone knows that even the Academy. That's why they added more nominations yeah. to their. Best Picture, but at the same day, I, I don't mind that um, Black Panther got a nomination, and I'm not surprised Bohemian Rhapsody got one. It made a butt-ton of money, and I haven't seen it to know that it's not a good enough movie to be in there, and yeah, I agree. Uh, here's the thing. The reason I don't care this much about the movie nominations so much as the actor and actress's nominations, which I think are far more interesting, um, it's because yeah. Green gonna win like every two things a um roma is the best picture of the year everyone knows it everyone yep. knows that it, it's so it's so good that it got foreign and best picture nominations yep. it got nominations for best foreign picture and best picture that's yep. insane yep. and go watch it right now on netflix which is even better well it was always going to be on netflix that was the thing like that, that was its deal. It was always going to be a Netflix movie that got a limited release in theaters until it got an actual film release out there in general, which, heck, they were playing it at, at uh, our old theater, and they're going to go back to playing it in the old theater because of its nominations. But everyone knew. Everyone knew a year ago that Roma was the best movie of the year when it was hitting festivals. But yeah. we all know what's going to happen. It's going to win Best Foreign Picture and then win Best Director and then they're going to give Best Picture to Green Book. Yep. Which is which is I don't think the right decision. As much as I've heard that um, Marcella Ali is very good in Green Book, the more I understand, Green Book is just uh, not supposed to be there. I've heard enough people be like, "Yeah, it's okay, but it is not Best Picture of the Year." But people give it to it because it's we're going to put Black Panther in there, we're going to put Black Klansman in there. We're going to take away if Beale Street could talk and give that to uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, which is the, the wrong decision. I've seen Beale Street. Uh, it's a really good film. It deserves to be in that slot. And then we're going to give it to Green Book because we love our white savior movies. Yep. Um, I also don't like that they gave Rami Malek a best actor uh, thing. I Why? Did you say why? Yeah, why? Well, I didn't. Again, I saw Bohemian Rhapsody. I didn't like it very much. I also don't think Viggo Mortensen should have gotten anything. But I, I mean, I haven't seen Green Book, so I don't know how good Viggo Mortensen is. And uh, I, I mean, that's where I'm on the fence about. But I've heard enough. I, I've seen enough from Rami Malek and other stuff that when he comes out and he does something good in a lead role, I'm not surprised that he would have gotten a nomination. Whether he deserves it or not, I don't. I can't really say because I haven't seen the whole movie. But like, he's been kicking ass since Short Term Twelve, so I'm not. I'm not surprised that they gave yeah, this to him. And, and, and believe me, I. I the year. One I don't time. disagree that he's been kicking ass since Short, short Term Twelve. That whole cast has been kicking ass since then. But uh, I, I'm talking just about him. We're talking Short Term Twelve. We're talking Mr. Robot. I'm talking to Remy well, now. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm also specifically talking time. about uh, what's her name too, though. In uh, 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 why am I blanking today? Brie Larson. Brie Larson, yeah. 
I'm not talking about other people. I'm just talking about Remy Malik and why he, as a normal actor, has been kicking ass so badly that when he gets a lead role, people go, you know what? He deserves it. He's been kicking ass for years. That's all I'm saying. I'm not just talking about short-term trouble. I'm talking about everything he's done since then. Sure. I mean, and I think, like, honestly, Lady Gaga's getting the best lead actress. That's, like, very obvious. Like, A Star is Born is going to win that. Not even a question. It's a competition between her and Glenn Close. And I, I don't even think it's that close. I think it, it really is. Lady Gaga's going to win it. I really do. Close. Glenn Close has not won once. She's been nominated three times, and she won for the Golden Globes. And the Academy loves Glenn Close, so there's a very good chance that they may just be giving it to Gaga, but will most like or giving the nomination to Gaga, but will eventually give it to Glenn Close. That's a possibility. I I don't know. I again, I I I don't know. I think um, I think. Gaga's got a very good chance that she's really talented, and I think she's got a lot going for her on that. And I think A Star Is Born's a great movie. I think A Star Is Born. I haven't watched it yet, but I think it's very popular. I think people like it. But if the nominations are any indication of what this Academy still thinks about things and how their politics work, it's probably just going to get best song, and then they're going to give it to Glenn Close. At the very least, I don't think Gaga is a shoe in. I think she has competition, is all I'm saying. Okay, uh, I'll give you that. I mean, and then looking at the best supporting actor, it's probably going to be Marshall Ali, even though I think Adam Driver, even though I think Adam Driver should get it. But you know, uh, I mean, Adam Driver is very good. A lot of people would want Sam Elliott, but I, I personally would have a very, very, very soft spot for Richard E. Grant all the way back to With Nail and I. But um, it'll probably be Marshall Ali. Yes. Um, back to back, wouldn't it? Actress in a supporting role. I mean, it could be anybody. Probably Marina de Tavira, but maybe Amy Adams, maybe Rachel Wiseman, maybe Regina King, maybe Emma Stone. Okay, I don't know. it could be anybody. Honestly, okay. we could we Regina could go King through each category. The best chance. We could. I, go I do want to be very clear, though. There is one one section that I'm actually really interested to see what happens with it because the nominations are so interesting. We could go through the entire thing, but let's focus on what little old dumb me actually cares about. Actually, Best I animated feature. Chris, if it doesn't Chris, go to Spider-Verse, Chris, there's Chris, something Chris, wrong. Chris. Hold on. I was going to talk about that, actually. That's exactly what I was going to talk about. Spider-Verse is the best animated movie, period. I, I think I Love Dogs is going to win better, dude. I think I Love Dogs is going to win it. No! I mean... <sighs> Uh, okay, so it, it is a competition between Spider-Verse and Isle of Dogs, but Isle of Dogs is the very thing that Academy would vote for. Spider-Man is the kind of thing that the Golden Globes would vote for, so we could go either way. I mean, here's the thing, is the Academy has this major, 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 One major, at a time! The Academy has a major boner for Wes Anderson. That That's just the truth of the matter. Yeah, they also have a huge they also have a huge boner for Disney and they would just say fuck it and go wreck it Ralph. That's true. God, if it goes to Disney, I'm going to be like if it goes to Disney again, I'm calling a, I'm calling it's rigged. That category is rigged to the rigged to the bone. It's always rigged, dude. Like No, this year in particular. Not, not this year in particular. It's not that it's rigged, 
Chris, it's that it's politics. You you got to understand the most of the voters for the academy, which has been changing over the years because of rules they're trying to make, is that it's just mostly composited of old white men who don't go out and watch movies anymore. They just watch what they they stick to what they know or has been consistently good. So if Pixar keeps winning every year, then they're just going to go out and see the Pixar movie or watch the Pixar screener and not bother with anything else. I Love Dogs is a different story because Wes Anderson's a known commodity even amongst the old white men who like to go see stuff like, uh, like, um, uh, oh God, what was the last one he made, dude? I am, like, blinking today. What was the last movie he made? Wes Anderson, yeah. Grand Budapest. Grand Budapest and, uh, and Moonrise Kingdom and all that. It's why a movie like Mirai will never win. Even though I think Mirai is actually the best movie on this. The actually best made movie. But it, it, it's just not popular. That's why Spirit Away will be the only ever anime movie ever nominated and win. That's it. That, it it'll never happen again. Ever. I doubt, I doubt that it'll never happen again, but it certainly is still going that way. More yeah. of those old white men need to die. Yeah, and I think like Mamoru Hasudota is one of the best modern Japanese directors. I mean... If you've seen even some of his movies, you understand why, because he knows how to make a good human story. But that's the problem with the industry right now is a lot of those old white men will never see a movie like that because they associate anime with pornography. Not really. It's they just, do. again, they, they it's, do. It's, not, it's not about that. It's, it's, they've been, it's been proven that anime is not just that. They no, wouldn't keep, they, just let me finish, Jack. They, they wouldn't keep putting a... Uh, one at least one animated, uh, or I'm sorry, one anime film. And I wouldn't even say that. Just one Japanese major animated film in that slot every year, unless they took that stuff seriously nowadays. And they do. Hayao Miyazaki made them take it seriously, and they put in other people since Miyazaki. The point is, again, these are old white men who only stick to what they know is perfect and American and. It's why Roma won't win Best Picture. It's it's because they hate Netflix. They're going to give it Best Foreign. It's they're going to give it Best Director, but they're never going to give it Best Picture. That they're never going to do it. Yeah, and they don't. And I don't think it's that they think it's uh, pornography. I think it's that they never take animated films seriously to begin with. Well, yeah. So they're just going to stick with the ones that they know and the companies that they know well and the ones that have done well every year. So they're not going to they're not going to watch three movies, let alone four this year: a Disney, a Wes Anderson, the Spider Verse, the one that everyone's talking about, and an animated on a Japanese American film. But they're just going to go ahead and go Disney. Yeah, that is what it, that is what an old, old tired white man who doesn't go to movies anymore is going to do. Yeah, I. I do think Isle of Dogs has a real chance. So Isle of Dogs is a, is a very special movie, but so is in, Into the Spider-Verse. It's made in a really cool style. Spider-Verse is perfect. And it's a really modern movie about a very modern kid. Which yeah, but they're not, they're, not a modern, they're not a modern award givers. No, they're not modern award givers. But Isle of Dogs is a very old-fashioned movie, and that's why I think Isle of Dogs is going to get it. Best visual effects. It's a bloodbath. Why the hell is Christopher Robin on here? Because most of that most of that movie is you and McGregor uh, acting against uh, animated characters. I see. Yeah, I mean, I understand let's be now. Benny War is probably going to win Best Visual Effects. Hey, don't count Man First Man, Man out. I'm I, hearing First Man I was mean, really good. It's against them in Ready Player One. 
And here's the thing. Thanos is animated and looks real. Period. That That's just the truth. Yeah, but do you not think that anything in Ready Player One... You don't think Ready Player One looks real? No, I think it looks real. It just has an aesthetic to it, man. Yes, so? but it also has characters that are human that are not human, but are still an acting that you have to feel from. They have characters that are just as prominent and trying to emote just as, as well as Thanos. Thanos has one major character as well as a lot of great special effects, and I honestly believe and hope that Infinity War will win, but when it comes to competition and Spielberg's name and ILM's name, uh, they're doing the same thing in Ready Player One. They have characters that are people that you have to care about, that they're emoting, that they had actors work through. They have more characters than Thanos doing the exact same thing. Plus, Thanos is not the only reason it's they would win best visual effects, period. No, Nick throws the moon. It's Tony Stark. Yes. He has a fucking exactly. It's a whole army of space dogs that go into a giant battle with a bunch of African people. Like, it's I like, don't want to sound rude. Thanos but, like, throwing the moon at Tony Stark is like they're that. them swapping faces in Face Off. Yeah. Like that will yeah. always come back to that. I get it, but also like uh, Nivaldolier looks great with Pierre Dinklage. They got um. Volmir with Red Skull and all that, that looks great too. Like, it all looks beautiful. You also, also have, you have the action and the racing in Ready Player One, but you have the actual characters themselves. You have all the different worlds that they show. You have the entire Shining section. Yeah. And I will admit... I'm just, it's either or. I agree with Chris. It's a bloodbath. It's a, it's a competition for sure. Yeah. And I will admit... I don't think I'm gonna. I don't think me personally, I'm not gonna discount Solo either. Uh, I'm Solo not gonna is discount a possibility, it. But I honestly think it's. I, the more I think about it, the shining thing is probably gonna give all those white voters, old white voters, a boner, and they're probably huh. gonna vote for that. Um, yeah. I. You know what's really saddening though? Uh, I'm looking at best original screenplay and no, uh, Quiet Place. Yeah, that kind of does. That kind of does stuck. Also, Hereditary got um, snubbed. There, first reform's not even that good. I'm sorry, what? Why is first reform on here? Like, it's not even that interesting. Like first reform? First reformed, yes, by Paul. Sh- yeah. No, I know what it is. I'm saying you didn't like it. No, I just it's not interesting. I didn't say it. Yeah, I. I completely disagree. Really? Yeah, I liked first reformed. All the power to you, man. I honestly think it's a really interesting story about how we, about how our obsessions can drive us to nowhere, but uh, destructive means within ourselves. The bigger, the bigger the problem we find, the more destructive we are of ourselves. Okay, I, I'll, I'll trust you on that one. So, uh... trust me, you've seen it. I mean. Yeah. It's your it's your opinion versus mine, but at the end of the day, I'm saying I I think it's a good enough script. And to be honest, people have been talking about it all year and hoping that Schrader would get some notice, hoping that uh, Ethan Hawke would get some notice. I'm not surprised that at the very least they gave it something. Yeah. Um. Yep. So yeah, I mean, this year is very intriguing. Um. I'm pretty sure I know what's going to win best short film animated. That's not a question. Bow. What? No. Well, you're talking about you're talking about it's the Pixar. It's gonna be bow. It's not a question. I mean, I'm sure. I, I hope you, I hope you're wrong. 
Because as much as I like Bao, I'm hoping to look at the other animated ones and be impressed. Because I haven't seen them, but I'm hoping to watch the other ones and be just as impressed as I was with that one. And I do like that one a lot. I'm just hoping... I always love to look at the shorts either before or after and see something that I haven't noticed before. I mean, when I first showed you uh, the the one that I showed you this past year, that one was great. Yeah, the, the one that... Yeah, I got you. The Western. The Western. Yeah. Yeah, the guy who dies. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> Guys, Thanos, it is great, Thanos threw a moon at Tony Stark. You haven't, seen any of the under, you haven't seen any of the other ones, but you have seen the one that's in front of a Pixar. And so what are you doing? You're standing here and you're going, Pixar wins. Just yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like they, okay, they, but you better remember, dude, the Pixar Run out of time. Very, 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 very strong. Like, like Piper I, was really good. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not saying that they aren't Zach. I'm just saying you're doing exactly what we're afraid they'll do for the best animated feature yeah. film. You haven't seen any of the other ones, but you're like, I've seen this one Pixar, and I'm done. We're done. No contest. And it's like, well, you haven't seen the other one. That's true. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. All right, Oscar. You old voter. <laughs> It's true. Like, I, even like a music original song, like, let's be honest, like, Shallow's gonna win that one. Not even a question. Most likely, yeah. I wish that Buster Scroggs would get something, but yeah, it'll probably win. Yeah. Oh. Uh, original score, though, I'm actually curious to see. I think Mary Poppins Returns will probably win it, but I kind of want to see Black Panther Isle of Dogs do well, too. Alright, so, out of the... One of the ones I'm probably going to see. Let's see here. Roma. Because we have to do that, right? Um, seeing Black Panther. That's like my... That's my Dunkirk of the year. That's the one I'm going to be rooting for, but it's probably not going to win. Um, Black Panther? Yeah. No, it's not going to win. Black Panther's not going to win. No, that was I Dunkirk, mean, they... but you know what I mean. Um... Dunkirk had a chance of winning. Black Panther does not have a chance of winning. No, not in a million years. I'm going to try Black Klansman. Black Klansman's really good. Go see um, it. Really good. I guess since everybody's talking about it and nobody will shut up about it, Bohemian Rhapsody, just for context. Ugh. Just for context. Right. Just see it because it's a fun... See it if you like Queen. That's pretty much it. If you like Queen's music, it's great. I kind of like Queen. But other than that... And again, I think Remy Malik is really good but like it's a good movie that's all it is it's like it's to me walk the line is way better in terms of like a musical biography but like it's one of the most popular movies of the year because of queen because people love queen remy malik is very good i love jason joseph mazella he's also in it too i've been a fan of his for years but like the reason people like it is because they like queen and that's it that's that's all it is to say it's the best picture is only because it's popular and uh it made a lot of money that's really it well yeah and like the critics ripped it apart like they hated that movie uh but it seems like the fans liked it which is important um since it's free on netflix i might be able to stomach roma i heard it's brutal though um i mean it's not it's not really i haven't seen it but i haven't heard anyone say that it's necessarily brutal it's just Here's the story of a maid in Mexico. That's that's it. But at the same time, like 
Everyone says it's amazing. No one says it's... I haven't heard one normal person or critic say it's bad. In fact, there's a whole list of artists like Beck and and, uh, a bunch of other artists that are making an entire album that were inspired by that movie. Like, people love that movie. Yeah, I'm I'm waiting to see it with my mom and a few other people, so I'm holding it back, but I was not surprised that it got a nomination for foreign or best director, that it'll most likely win best director, but I was shocked that it got best foreign and best picture, which they haven't done that in a long, long ass time. I, I don't think, I think the last time they ever did that was a life, life is beautiful. And I don't even know if that happened. Well, but. it was it last time it happened was spirited away. Spirited away got a best picture and a best foreign picture. Yep. Uh, I would that's odd. I didn't know that. But at the end of the day, like that—that's usually the knockout that says, "Hey, this is the best picture of the year," and we're just not going to admit it and give it to something American. And that's pretty much what's happening here. They—they don't, they don't want to do it because of Netflix. If—if if it wasn't for Netflix, they would be giving it to Roma without a doubt. But there, most people agree that Roma is the best picture of the year. Uh, yeah. Um, let me go back to the list here. Um, I'm sorry, I'm mistaken. It was that. I was about to say, I was going to fact check you. Um, I was going to say, I don't think that was right at all. Life is Beautiful uh, sounds like way more of a possibility. Let me check that one. Because I like Bradley Cooper, I'm going to, I'll probably see a Star is Born. Um, that's brutal. I'm telling you right now, that's a brutal movie. Okay. Yes. Uh, Life is Beautiful did not get I, I, I made sure to tell people that. They, they made, that's the fourth version of that movie that's been made. I know a lot of people that saw the trailer and were like, this seems like a good movie where Bradley Cooper like brings Gaga under his wing and they become musicians. Like, no, the trailer is lying. This has been around for years, decades even. This is a this is a story that starts fun but is brutal. It ends brutally. It's a, it's a tragedy. And I'm, I'm warning you now as I warn everyone else. Okay. See it because it's good, but don't expect a happy ending. Okay. I'm glad for the warning, otherwise I'd be pissed. Um, And because Fox Searchlight really wants people to see it, The Favorite. I'll probably see The Favorite. It looks crazy. What, The Favorite? Yeah, The Favorite. Yeah, I I mean... I definitely want to see The Favorite. I just haven't gotten around to it, but that's... that's, uh, I've heard... um, It's weird, and and the director's other movies Uh are... Okay, Alex. One at a time. Sorry. Here's the the movies that have gone to best uh, best picture and best uh, and best foreign language film. Uh, it is uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Oh, that makes sense. Letters from Iwo Jima. Okay, that also makes sense. I love Letters to Iwo Jima. Babel. Babel was, yeah, I guess since like, yeah, uh, most is in other languages, yeah. And Amor. Oh, hell yeah, Amor. Ooh, now that's a brutal, that's a brutal movie. Ooh, that will tear your heart out. That So Amor, those are movies that have got both, that got a nomination for Best Picture in both categories. Best Picture in Foreign and in, uh, in Best Picture. Yes. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah. A more and those are just in the last twenty years, by the way. Ooh, a more is hardcore. So, um, uh, yeah, it, again, it just seems like three, Roma plus. will be the eleventh foreign language film to also be nominated for best picture. 
Yeah, it's it seems like that's their way of saying we we like it. It'll win best foreign, which kind of sucks. I wish they had just put it in the best picture and put it up as a contender against what they consider to be the most popular. Because really, it would be against that Bohemian and Green Book, and then they could go like, "This is our most popular film of the year. This is the one that we, as voters, think is probably the most appropriate, would be, which should be Green Book and Roma, which is the best movie of the year, which usually they don't vote for. They usually just put it in there, and everyone's like, "It's gonna win, like Tree of Life or something," and then get and then give movies like Shoplifters a chance because I've seen a couple of the other foreigns, and they're really good, especially Shoplifters. They deserve a chance to fight against each other, whereas Roma's just kind of going to come in, swing its dick, take the award, and then go lose in Best Picture. Yeah. Okay, so, like, real quick. Funny story about Fox Searchlight. So, Fox Searchlight, who made uh, The Favorite. So, on Twitter, they asked people, what was your favorite line, your favorite movie line from 2018? I replied with, Get this replying again. Get this man a shield from Infinity War when T'Challa was um, referring it to um, Captain America. Yeah, yeah, we we know. <laughs> um, and they and they replied to everybody <laughs> with a gift from the favorite. Like it was like a gift from the favorite. Would like with any like I don't think it, regardless of any kind of context to it whatsoever or what it had to do with the actual tweet that it was replying to. They would just post gifts of the favorite to every single one. And I'm just like, they don't really plug in the favorites. And it was well, so funny. A, they did the same thing to me a, twice. That's really funny. A, that's honestly really funny. I actually do think that's pretty funny. But also, um, uh, yeah, I mean, that that's their prerogative to do it for sure. But again, like, the I, I don't know if you're really up for... The, I don't know if you're going to be up for the favorite, to be honest. Oh, really? Okay. It's, I mean, see it. Absolutely see it. Give every movie a chance for sure. But not only is it a period piece, it's also weird. Uh, the guy's stuff is weird. Is the, is it like, like the, God. have you heard that, the, like, it's like the lobster weird? Because I can't stomach the lobster. I saw previews of that. I'm just like, what am I watching right now? Uh, so you've seen previews of it, but you haven't okay, seen Okay, not previews, but, like, as much as you can see as a movie theater employee is what I'll say. You mean a trailer? No. We had it at Willow Creek. Oh, oh, you mean you gone to see it. Yes. Um, I think the lot. first of all, the lobster is very weird, but the lobster is weird sci-fi. That's, that's kind of the point of it. It's a sci-fi, it's a, it's a dystopian future that they're making people fall in love in. But uh, so it's a sci-fi uh, satire about comedy and romance. But this is like a period piece that's just made by a weird director. Like the camera angles are weird. Um, the story gets weird towards the end. The characters are weird, but the humor is supposed to be funny, and the and the jokes are supposed to be um, biting and and like sarcastic. But it's a period piece, so I, I don't know if you're really invested in that sort of stuff. We'll see. I will get to as many as I can before it's time to actually, like, give these things golden statues of a man. Um, no female directors getting nominated or female-led movies, essentially, it looks like. Not really that surprise. That was, was kind of what last year was all about. So I bet Emma Stone's pissed. Um... 
Well, the favorite, I guess, is kind of female-led, right? I guess that's well, the I mean, one. Well, I mean, there were some people who produced some stuff. There, one of the biggest shocks is Leave No Trace director. She, she has been nominated before for Winter's Bone. She's gotten actors and act. She kick-started Jennifer Lawrence's career, so people were kind of shocked that Leave No Trace got no love at all. Um, snubs are a quiet place and hereditary, apparently. People are mad about these things. Uh, I, I'm not surprised by a quiet place. A quiet place is more of a crowd-pleasing thriller. It, it, the reason Get Out got a lot of its awards is because, and I hate to say this, it's because uh, it has to do with African-American culture. I honestly think that it does have a lot to say behind it. And which I'm glad that it got the nominations that it did and ordered for people to see it and for it to have its touchstone in history. But at the same time, the, A Quiet Place is kind of no different. Um, it's a it's a thriller that came around came out around the same time. It's also uh, has a lot of technique to it. If anything, it should have been nominated for sound design. Um, but Hereditary is the big. I think people are right in wondering why Tony Collette didn't get a nomination and why um, Hereditary didn't get any love at all. But the, again, these are old white voters. They don't give a crap about horror movies at this point. They're not going to go out of their way to go see a horror movie. Yeah, they have, they have heart issues, so they gotta um, they got to look out for themselves. Um, they can't be scared or laugh, which is why horrors and comedies don't get any love. Otherwise, they'll just combust. Um, Which is another thing. People wondered why Death of Stalin didn't get a best screenplay. Hmm. Uh, original or adapted? I believe it's original. Okay. Well, you know. Um, well, if there's nothing else that we want to discuss on the topic I mean, or any other topic. I, I wanted to talk about a few of those things. I, I, I don't take the Grammys seriously to the point that I don't watch them. I, I don't really pay attention to them. And I love music, but I don't give a crap. I think the Grammys have <laughs> lost their clout as an award, period. Yeah. Whereas the Oscars still have clout to them. They still have weight to them. People still care about when someone says they've won an Oscar in some of those categories. And I do think that Shape of Water was, and Moonlight, were both indications that maybe the Academy was leaning into certain directions. But honestly, something happened this year. And I don't mind them picking movies like Black Panther or Bohemian Rhapsody for the sake that they're the most popular and made the most money, so they should be a reflection of what people consider to be the most fun. I think a better line of that is... Stars Born. Stars Born is probably not the best picture of the year, but for people to love it as much as they do, uh, both for its performances and its music, is a strong indication why you should put it there. And Black Panther, I mean, if they're going to keep picking this race card a lot, which they will, um, I would rather they picked Beale Street instead of that. But Bohemian Rhapsody, I think, is tipping to in the wrong direction. Um, but I, it's probably going to be Green Book, and that's what bothers me the most. Like, I think... Green Book is a step backwards. That's like we've already we've already given that award to so many movies of that caliber of white savior crap that we might as well just it, when they post the best picture nominations when they're announcing them, should accidentally put up a picture of In the Heat of the Night, and I doubt anyone would even <laughs> fucking notice. Probably not. You mean like the old TV show or the movie? The movie. The oh. movie won best picture. Oh, there was a. It, 
Titans dominated that year. And I love In the Heat of the Night, but it's pretty much the exact same thing, except one has a murder mystery and the other one doesn't. I thought you meant the Carl Weathers TV show that my mom watches all the time. Um, It's based off the movie. Oh, really? Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. With Carol O'Connor? Yeah. Oh. Well, the more you know, I guess. Um, so. Have we got a movie Have to you never seen The Heat of the Night? In the Heat of the... No, I've seen, I've seen bits of the TV show because my mom watches them and I talk to my mom regularly, but, like, no, I haven't actually seen The Heat of the Night. No, and The Heat of the Night is actually a really good movie. I, I, I'm not... It, it, I, I'm glad it won the year it did. It was a strong year that it did, but, I mean, we're past that point that we shouldn't we shouldn't pat ourselves on the back when we award a movie like that. That, we're, that was a movie that made sense giving it the best picture in the 60s or the 50s when it came out. But nowadays, we shouldn't look at Green Book and be like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that that black man really taught that white guy not to be so racist. No, no, no. Actually, they find a story about black lives or black people, and have their story be the one that you you bring up and prop up. Which is why I liked Moonlight because Moonlight wasn't just a story about a gay black like gay black kid with problems. The last forty minutes are a romance. The last forty minutes turn into a like an actual romantic story about two guys that you just want to see bang each other by the end of the night. And it just, it works. It's romantic. It's meaningful. It's, it has great music. It's great visuals. It, it is a, it is a black story through and through by the end of that movie. If Beale Street can talk to a certain extent, uh, black Klansmen, those are black stories that are being told by black voices. They deserve to be propped up. Even even Black Panther, to a certain extent, deserves that sort of recognition. But Green Book is not that. Yeah. But, uh, maybe a movie that I'm rooting for um, someday will um, actually win an award. I'm trying to drag it to. So, there's nothing else to be said. Sorry, did you say How to Train Your Dragon 2? Yeah, I did. I did. I'm, I'm, I'm only kind of, I find that funny because do you think that they're just going to go back in time and say, uh, in the year 2022, we, for our animated nominations, we're just going to throw in this movie that came out a few years ago because we rewatched it and you know what? It's pretty good. Better than Big Hero 6. Pretty, it's a pretty good movie. It's a pretty good movie. It's on Netflix. It's, it's a pretty good movie. Then we're going to give it best animated feature. <laughs> oh God, I can't do that voice. Oh God. Ugh. Gotta stop smoking those apple reds, man. When I was your age, we had Bugs Bunny. All I got was Bugs Bunny, but I still laughed. When I was your age. Um. Okay. Is there anything else that we want to nope. talk about? With the Oscars or no, anything I, else? I just thought the Oscar nominations were more were bigger news than... Alita Battle Angel. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I just thought that was funny. I was not impressed by them this year. I'm sorry. Alright. No, like, to not be impressed by them and just not even remember to talk about them I find hilarious. Okay. Well, it's just that dumb, I think. I disagree. We're a movie podcast. Yep. 
I guess. <laughs> so you guess for I guess. What else do we talk about? Shoes. <laughs> we talk about turtles cutting paper and how Thanos threw a moon at Tony Stark. Um. Exactly. Dick slapping in warehouses. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'll never not get me. Once in a blue moon, we talk about how a 30 year old man kissed a 17 year old girl and thinks that she is his girlfriend. What is that from? That was a joke from Glass and Split, but okay. Oh, King right, of Glass? Yeah. God, you missed it! God damn. I'm disappointed, Alex. I'm disappointed. Not really. I mean, we haven't talked. I, I, I mean, yeah. I, did we really harp on that that badly when we talked about Split? What? No, we didn't. But it was. We should. I don't know. Because so, um... I'll be honest, when we get to when we get into Glass, that was one of the things I found interesting. Like, I honestly thought that she was gonna kiss him in Glass. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Glass. <laughs> So, I honestly thought do it. So, Alright, let's talk about this movie. Glass. Gentlemen, take it away. I'll interject when you when I have a question or something to move to advance the conversation, but um whatever, but you guys take it away. Well, well let's uh, I'll I'll go ahead and reiterate the story just so at least you have some idea of what we're talking about story wise. Chris, um, so the movie starts with um, with uh, the Horde having kidnapped a bunch of cheerleaders again, okay. and uh, he has got them stuck in a factory somewhere. Uh, Bruce Willis is out. He is he owns a private investigation company as well as a security store with his son, and oh, nice. uh, they team up together. And every night he goes out and he fights crime. The, the folks have been turning to call him the Overseer, and um, he uh, has heard news about the Horde having kidnapped a bunch of girls again. So he goes out one day with his son in his ears, uh, just talking to him while he does it, and he finds, the, he finds uh, James McAvoy on the street. He goes to the building uh, to find the girls. He frees them, and he meets the Beast. The beast and him fight for a bit, and then they fall out of the building's window. And right when they're about to attack each other, like head on, um, they're captured. And it turns out the police have been looking for Bruce Willis as well as James McAvoy because Bruce Willis is fighting crime as a vigilante. But it isn't just the police; it's um, uh, uh, Sarah Paulson and um, uh, and the police as well. And Sarah Paulson captures them both. Uh, she uh, indicates she knows who they are, and they take them to her mental institution, where she has a private section where she is working on patients that wait, she. Wait, believes- wait, 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 wait! Hold on, hold on, hold on. Does this mental institution have a possessed nun in it? No. Start it. Wrong, Sarah Paulson show. <laughs> That, that was an asylum from the 50s. Uh, and, uh, so, so it, has a, it has a clown that likes to beat people over the head with a bowling pin. 
Anyway. So, it takes him, she takes him to her asylum, her mental institution, where she works on patients um, specifically who have the delusion that they're superheroes. She has set up a room for uh, Bruce Willis to, if any, if he tries to escape, he's going to get blasted with pounds of water, which is not only his weakness, but he's getting blasted with a bunch of water. Um, and <laughs> Go on, go on, go on. Yeah, yeah, right in the face, all over his chest, it dribbles down his mouth, he just gets blasted. Um, right. And uh, she's created a light system of hypnotic lights that whenever um, James McAvoy tries to attack as the beast, the lights will flash and he will immediately transfer to one of his other personalities. Um, and so she's trapped them both in rooms across from each other. And it they about, it, it, I'd say about 40 minutes into the movie, you actually find out that, um, well, you find out when they come in that glass is there too, that Samuel Jackson's there, but it takes a good like 40 minutes before he shows up and actually starts doing stuff because she has him there, but he is catatonic. She has been dosing him with drugs because he's too freaking smart. The moment he got in there in the first place, he caught a glimpse of a map of the electrical system because some guy left it out for one second and then shut down all the lights and tried to escape. So he is a threat, and they are they are keeping him sedated. Um, so she works with both of them, all uh, both of David Dunn and Kevin Wendell Crumb, to try and figure out She's trying to get them to believe that they are actual people that may be super strong or has just a disorder where he changes personalities, but that they're not superheroes. They don't have superpowers. She's trying to convince them that they have a delusion and that she has three days to do it before the government decides that they're just going to throw these guys away forever. Um, and in the process, David Dunn's kid is trying to go to the hospital and talk them out of it. He tries to go to Sarah Paulson and say, he, he's, he's just a wacko. He thought he could, he's not the overseer. He's just this thing. But Sarah Paulson knows that he is, um, the girl who survived Kevin window crumbs antics in split is told that he's been caught and that she wants to go see him. So she does, she goes to see him. And the moment she sees him, um, she sees like the kid Hedwig. She sees Kevin, the guy who was obsessed with girls' clothes and their cleanliness. She sees Patricia, but she also, by touching him, brings out Kevin. And Kevin, the person who, who's the actual human being of this split personality dude, um, wakes up and sees her, and they talk. And she thanks him for giving her the strength to leave her uncle and tell the police about him. And so she believes that somewhere in there, Kevin can grab hold of the light and take control of everything. And if he doesn't, that they're going to lock him away forever. Um, and they don't want that. She doesn't want that. She thinks Kevin doesn't deserve that. So this goes on for a bit. She gets them all in a room, at all three of them in a room at one point, in the centerpiece of the movie, where she tries to convince all three of them that they are delusional. She tries to convince them all all in a group as one. She gives them all palatable, uh, logical reasons as to their actions, like why Kevin's able to bend the bars, why David Dunn thinks that he's able to see visions when he touches people of their sins. She gives them all logical reasons, and she, she starts to put some doubt into David Dunn and, as well as Patricia a little bit, about the beast being real. So, like, on the side, both of them start to 
doubt themselves a little bit. They're starting to believe that maybe, yeah, and the audience too is believing that maybe, yeah, they're delusional a little bit, but Glass has not spoken yet. He's still sedated, and she's pulled back the sedation a little bit, but Glass hasn't said a word yet. Um, and then things start to take a turn. Uh, people are starting to suspect that Glass has been sneaking out of his room at night, and um, they decide, and one night he does. He does sneak out of his room, and he goes to Kevin Wendell Crumb's room, and he tells him that he wants to see the Beast. He wants to meet him and see that if he's real or not, and he wants to see him the next night. Um, you start to realize that he has been not taking his drugs, and he's not been sedated at all, that he has actually been faking his condition. He also has uh, a guard that he's known for quite a while that doesn't like him at all. And there's another guard that's really sweet and is kind of nice to all the patients and who's just really a big pushover. So the next night, uh, he, the next day, he wakes up and they have seen footage of him leave his room. So they're going to pull a um, surgery on him that they warned him about. And so they take him in and they're going to put a laser in his brain and they're going to like kind of do something to his brain to kind of cut back his intelligence. Um, so they do the procedure on him, and then the next night, that night, um, the sweet guard comes into his room and gives him his food, and he's like, hey, man, what's up? How are you feeling? And um, he's uh, just kind of talking to him, and he notices that the pictures on his wall, because Glass has had pictures on his wall, uh, are crooked, and it turns out that Glass has taken a piece, and he slices the throat of the nice nurse. He oh, just God. slices it all up. And he uh, escapes. He goes to Kevin Wendell Crumb's room, and he breaks him out, and he takes him to another room, and he goes, show me the beast. And he does. And the beast comes out, and he climbs the walls, and he walks over to um, uh, Glass, and he starts showing him all this stuff. And throughout the movie, you're seeing this on all of the surveillance cameras because of how smart Glass is. Sarah Paulson's like, we've put cameras all over this place in every single corner there's no blind spots if you do anything we'll know so throughout the movie you're seeing uh all of these antics happen on security camera footage every now and then so he breaks it out and he's like that we're gonna you believe the beast is real and the beast says yeah and he goes why do you believe in the beast and he goes i believe in superhero characters i believe that people um that there's superheroes and lots of people they're everywhere and they just don't know it yet we need to show them that you're real. We need to show them that superhero characters are real, that the that our abilities to be special are possible and that they're possible in other people. So we're, I want to see you fight David Dunn um, in public in the most like public way possible. And it turns out there's a big, gigantic, tallest building in the city that's going to open and he wants to see him fight him there because there's going to be a lot of cameras there so he's going to break him out that night and he's going to break david dunn out or at least incite him to break himself out so that they can fight and um then the world can see that these guys are real um so he breaks out um he breaks out kevin wendell crumb they kill the mean guard and he gets on the um overhead system and he talks to david dunn and he's like i used to be your friend you need to stop us i'm going to go to the tallest building in the world where they have chemicals and i'm going to blow it up unless you stop me <laughs> and the horde and he's like i've shut off your water system so you have to break out of the room to prove to yourself that you can it's only metal and if you have no broken bones when you fight and are strong enough to do it then you should be able to do it and david dunn is he breaks through the door um they escape through the basement 
and they are caught uh, a couple of times. A couple nurses see them, so they've gotten so people know that they're coming. A couple guards try to stop them, but the beast murders them. They get outside, and the beast just starts going ham. And um, Kevin, one of the personalities, is like, "I don't want to kill anybody anymore." But Glass is like, "You need to. You need to keep killing people. We got to get through this. We got to get to this place." And more and more guards show up, and more people show up. And in the middle of all this. Glass's mom shows up, David Dunn's son shows up, and the girl who survived Kevin Wendell Crumb all show up. They've all got a word that something's going on, and they all have their own little, like, ideas about how to handle this. So they go to Sarah Paulson and they start talking to her about the reality of the situation, and they realize that there's a fight going on outside the building. And they go out there and they see that David Dunn and the Horde and Glass are all outside, and David Dunn and the Horde are about to fight. And they clash, like like James McAvoy is on all fours running across the lawn of this mental institution. It's crazy. And David Dunn fight him. And they fight for a while. Um, they start. Kevin Widowcrumb has taken two nurses and thrown them in a car, in a van. And they fight against the van. So you see like them denting the van while the nurses are crying on the inside. Glass is just kind of like seeing the girl and David Dunn's son and his mom and he's looking at Sarah Paulson and he's like, see what I've done? Like These people were real. And um, uh, they're fighting and they're fighting and they're fighting and the beast uh, fight, there's like a water barrel where they've been purifying water and he throws David Dunn in there uh, and then they fight for a while. He tries to drown him but David Dunn gets him out and uh, they, he breaks through the water and they're about to fight again, and David Dunn's kid shows up with new information. And he goes up to Kevin, and he's like, you don't know the whole truth. And Glass is like, don't do it. I know what you're going to say. Don't do it. And he looks at Kevin, and he's like, your dad, who died on a train, died on the same train that my father uh, survived on, which means Glass killed your dad. <laughs> and Kevin is not happy about that. Kevin walks up to Glass, and Glass is like, don't you see what happened? I made I made David, and I made you. If, if you hadn't been with your mom, she never would have beaten you to the point that the Beast showed up. I created the Beast. I made you. I made superheroes. I can make superheroes. And the Beast is like, um, I thank you for making me, but my job is to protect Kevin, and now I don't trust you anymore. So he crushes uh, Samuel Jackson's shoulder, and then he punches him right in the chest. Remember, this guy has bones of glass. So that shit hurts. So he, uh, so Samuel Jackson collapses out of his wheelchair, which immediately breaks his legs. Uh, and he's just dying on the ground. He's just flat out dying. Like, he's coughing up blood. He's just dead. There's, like, nothing left to him. Um, the, the Horde and um, David Dunn fight some more. But um, David Dunn is still kind of like weak from the water barrel and the beast decides that he's just going to go off to the tallest building in the world on his own. So he starts running for it, but the girl who survives Split grabs him by the arm from the urging of Sarah Paulson. Sarah Paulson's like, you need to stop him. The lights aren't going to work out here during the daylight. You need to get Kevin Wendell Crumb out. Touch him again. So she goes up to the horde. She touches him. And she hugs him. And she's like, she keeps saying his name, Kevin Wendell Crumb, Kevin Wendell Crumb, come out, take over the light. And he does. And she gets it out of him. And she hugs, she basically uses empathy to get Kevin to come out again. 
and he looks at her and he's like, uh, thank you so much. And she's like, hold on to the light. Stay with me. He's like, I'm trying. And in that moment, a sniper shoots him right in the gut. And, uh, and he just starts bleeding, just bleeding out of his chest. And he collapses on the ground. Uh, and in that moment, um, you see that the sniper has a tattoo on his wrist of a three-leaf clover. And that cuts immediately to the wrist of another um, guy in like a SWAT guy who has the same tattoo on his wrist. And you see him grab David Dunn and he drags David Dunn to uh, a hole in the street where all like a bunch of water has pooled into. And he starts drowning Bruce Willis in the hole. Uh, He just starts shoving his face in the hole and drowning him. And uh, Sarah Paulson runs up to David and she goes, take my hand. And he does. And when he takes her hand, he's able to see her sin. And it turns out she's part of an evil organization. Who, um, and then they immediately drown him to death. Bruce Willis dies in a puddle of water. So Glass is dead. Glass is dying. His mom walks up to him and she's like, what did you think was going to happen? He's like, this is an origin story. And Sarah Paulson walks up to him and uh, says, I'm part of an evil organization. Our job is to keep superheroes from coming out into the open. See, when one of you comes out, it immediately stokes your opposite. When the opposite comes out, you two wreak havoc, and we, as a society, are punished for it. And therefore, we need to keep things equal. You can, we need to make sure that we, as a normal society, stay above you as superheroes. We can't allow you to show up. And we do it by either making you think that you're delusional or killing you. And uh, she just leaves Glass there to die, and he dies. And in the same time, Kevin Wendell Crumb is staying there with the girl, and uh, she keeps Kevin alive. And Kevin stays there, and he goes, so you really my friend? She says yes. And he goes, I'm going to stay here in the light with you. And he dies, Kevin, Kevin. And it's kind of sweet, and it's kind of nice, but all three of them are dead. They're all dead. And uh, Sarah Paulson wins. And um, she goes to her bosses and she's like, um, I did it. They are um, gone. I've stopped them. And if with your prerogative, I will go to the next city. I will go to the next subjects and I will try to treat. I'll try to either treat them or we will kill them. And uh, David Dunn's son is sad. His mom is sad. And the girl is sad. Um, but then she goes back and she's like to all of the workers of the asylum uh, I want you to forget what happened today I don't want this to get out in the news this wasn't a big deal it's just sad that these people had to die um, go about your business and then she goes up to the person with the camera who runs the cameras and she's like have you wiped all the footage and he says yes and she goes did anybody download anything and he says, uh, oh, my God, somebody did. It turns out when she told Mr. Glass about all the cameras and he was faking it the whole time, that he downloaded everything that was being filmed onto a backup server. So the movie ends with him sending that footage, all of the footage of them fighting in the streets and him crawling on the walls of the building and all of their conversations about superheroes, everything to the son, his mom, and the girl. They release it out in the open and the movie ends with them in a trade station, all three of them. Uh, releasing the information to the world, which means that anyone who does have superpowers or thinks that they do have superpowers or doubts that about themselves now has proof that they are not alone. And Sarah Paulson screams in a hallway knowing that Mr. Glass beat her, and that's the end of the movie. Yep. Wow. Yeah. 
Hey, by the way, spoiler alert. Um. <laughs> so just just hearing that out loud, um, would you still want to go see it? Um, that's a, <laughs> uh, that's a terrible way to. That's a terrible. That's a. That's a, that's a sad ending. Kind of, but it's, I guess I'll still kind give it a of shot. Sad. It's not the ending that you want. You, uh, I mean, I'm not even going to sit here and say that people expected action or spectacle. The trailers can be lies, that's fine, but I, I didn't expect a lot of action. What a lot of people did hope for was that the girl would team up with David to stop Glass and the Beast, and that David, to a certain extent, would be the hero. But that is not what, like, the saddest thing, the saddest thing of all is that David dies unceremoniously in a puddle of water in the street. That is the saddest thing about that ending, yes. Yeah. But the uh, glass, for what it is worth, does do what he always planned on doing ever since Unbreakable, which is letting people know that they are, that superheroes exist, that they have an opportunity to... Uh, to be the better versions of themselves that potential is always there for themselves and although he had to murder a bunch of people to allow that to happen uh, that his plan does succeed and I think when you when you watch the movie it's easy to come out of it and be like well David Dunn has no emotional arc which to a certain extent he doesn't he had the movie Unbreakable it's like Kevin Wendell Crumb is pretty much in the same spot too he does have somewhat of a catharsis with the girl and Kevin but really he also dies as well before he can actually do anything with it but he had a movie it was called Split this was called Glass and honestly this is the story about how Miss Staple is Sarah Paulson's name in the movie so this is a story about how Dr. Staple and Mr. Glass are basically at wits with each other. This is a battle of wits over Braun. She thinks she has the upper hand over the entire situation all the way up to the end, and Glass, being the evil genius that he is, still um, beats her in the end because it's his movie. That's... Yeah, that's... <laughs> that sounds... First off, that's that just sounds, like, wild, and I can't imagine, like, wild in a Shyamalan-paced movie... Um, like, whew. Um, okay, 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 okay. Um, I asked, I asked the question early on because it didn't make sense to me. It's like, if she doesn't think, if she thinks that, because it was go before, like, before they took a turn. I'm like, if she thinks they're delusional, is trying to prove they're delusional. Then why is she playing to their? superhero weaknesses even though she doesn't think that she's a superhero why is she locking david dunn in a room and spouting him with water every time he acts up or something like that like why is um kevin wendell crumb getting blasted with light every time he every time the beast comes out or something like that why is she proving that they're superheroes while she's trying to disprove that they're superheroes then the things then everything took a turn and then it started to make sense yeah especially with the organization stuff but that's wild the thing is she like she never looks at them and says that the beast does not exist as a personality for him or that he's not able to take shock she even looks at him like patricia when she's talking when she's talking to kevin wendell crime in the in the room of all three of them 
Patricia pops up and she's like, how do you explain me bending the bars? She's like, those bars were made in the 18th century. I walked up to those bars, put a wrench between them, and then leaned back and bent them. It's not it's difficult, but it's not impossible. And he, he, she's like, well, how do you explain the two shotgun blasts? He took two shotgun blasts. She's like, anybody can take two shotgun blasts and make it okay. Like, you can still survive those. You, you, huh. You're telling me that you... People can't like she's like um, the bullets were the gun was uh, old and weakened having been underwater and the moisture getting to it and that pellets went into other places. She just basically tells him that you can be the beast and she goes it, it all. I also looked through your office at your old job at the zoo and it seems that you were an enthusiast of rock climbing. Even the most talented rock climbers can climb any wall. So she's getting the delusion. She's trying to tell them that, yes, you can climb walls and you can maybe survive shotgun blasts or bend bars, but you're not superhuman. These are all possible things. There's logic to these things. being tampered with, and that's why you survived the shotgun blasts, and they didn't just, like, they didn't hit as hard as they should have or something. Yeah, and like David Dunn is still locked in a room in an asylum. They still locked the door and you need a key to get in and out like any other normal person. But his delusion is that water is his weakness. So if she just splashes him with water and he responds to it, then that's his delusion. So yeah. the, the she's using his delusion against him. But also at the same time, she's locked the door. She's trying to get him to believe that he's not super strong to break out, whereas Glass does the opposite. He cuts off the water and then tells him, you're still locked in a room with a metal door, but that shouldn't be a problem with someone who survived a train crash. And he does. He busts yeah. himself out. What I actually really liked a lot about the movie was like in that, that Hallmark scene that they really showed off in the trailer when they were, like, showing um, the, the, the the potential of where David and Kevin kind of really got their personalities from. So David nearly drowned as a child, and Kevin was abused by his mother. And then they showed that quick sh- uh, flashback of Glass at the fair, who broke his, like, rib, like, five times, and... Um, and, like, it was all because he wanted to go on a teacup ride. So there, there's an interesting thing that they do in this movie, Chris. They they utilize deleted scenes from Unbreakable and huh. they splice them into the movie. What? Huh. Oh, I thought, I, yeah. Um, there, there are two deleted scenes. There's a deleted scene where Bruce Willis goes into his son's room when he's trying to sleep and he talks to him after coming home late one night. And the kid just kind of talks to him about how he lifted the weights and how he believes in him and how he knows his secret identity and how he believes his dad's a superhero. And then that that there is a carnival scene where Mr. Glass is a kid, takes two teddy bears, puts them between himself, and then puts a sweater around the, the bar, uh, the railing of it, like a teacup ride. And he gets on it so that he can ride it. And he's enjoying it. And his mom sees him and she freaks out. But in the middle of that... Um, the teddy bears fall and the sweater falls off and he just gets his ass handed to him by that ride. Just breaks his arm and his shoulder and his, oh God, it's, it's brutal. But these are both deleted scenes from Unbreakable that um, they never utilized. And he puts them in the movie and they are pretty effective, especially if you've seen Unbreakable and you're like, I don't remember these scenes and then they're just right there. Yeah, well the glass scene especially, or the, the, um, the Samuel L. Jackson childhood scene was like, very like it was brutal but it, it like it kind of made you really depressed because you're like all this kid ever wanted to do is just be a normal kid <coughs> <coughs> sorry 
And, oh my god, I'm like choking. That's how super villains. That's how super villains are made. Like I've heard a lot of people complain about. They're like, if if David Dunn is a superhero and uh, Kevin Window Crumb is superheroes, then why is Samuel Jackson a super villain? He's just a guy who's super smart. And I'm like, well, that's not that's not the point. The point is, like, there there are several. Like Lex Luthor doesn't have any superpowers. He's just a rich maniac who's super smart. Like that's that's the thing. You can like Batman doesn't have any superpowers. He's just super smart and dude, like, dude, dude. Batman's superpower is that he's super rich. That's certainly part of it. Yes, but it's about <laughs> the will. It's about the. It's the fact that he knows comic books so much. It's the fact that he dresses up a certain way. It's the fact that he gave himself a nickname. It's the fact that he imposes his will upon the world with villainy through his intelligence and through the pain he's felt it through his life. He's a supervillain. He just is. So, like, the fact that people are looking at this sort of like through Marvel glasses in a way really kind of bothers me. But I would say there there are. There are there are a lot of people who have walked away from this movie not liking it. Um, to be honest, Chris, like I I know you think that like that sounds really wacko, but like the wacko stuff doesn't happen until the third act of the movie. Like that's when things get really like batshit crazy. Before then, it's mostly just them talking in the institution a lot. That's pretty much it. Um, now I found it yeah. really interesting. I, I actually because I cared about these characters. And I liked what was going on. And I knew that the ending was going to be like crazy. I didn't know that they were going to pull a bait and switch government thing at the end, which I mean, what like that's a, that's fine. They don't really hint at it. It's sort of just like a, a reveal twist that happens. And it's very comic booky. I don't mind that. What I liked about it is that glass gets the upper hand and you realize, Oh, it's his movie. His like, if, if, David Dunn's equal is Kevin Wendell Crumb, then Glass's equal is Miss Staple, is Dr. Staple. I, that, that's, who, that's who they were fighting. That, that's who his equal was, and he topped her through a battle of wits. And I liked that. By the end, I was like, okay, well, I don't care that she's part of an organization. Glass still beat her. And that's the point. Um, did you... Uh, what I really liked a lot about the movie, too, was how um, they had all the shots with, like, his son and like Anna uh, Anya Taylor Joy is that how you pronounce her? Yes. Name? Yeah. Uh, in the comic book store, reading about their respective, you know, movie character, you know, main character, where uh, where David Dunn's son is reading about characters like David Dunn, and Anya Ta- Taylor Joy is reading about the Beast. And there's actually a really cool thing. One of the comics she reads is Legion, which is a character with uh, with uh, multiple personality disorder where each of them have their own power, which, you know, Legion has its own comic uh, TV show right now, too, that is really good. Yeah, the son of Charles Xavier. Yep. Uh, who is, in the X-Men universe, the most powerful character. So powerful, in fact, that he basically willed himself out of existence. He's like, I can't control myself, so I'm just going to will myself out of this. Yeah, Legion's Legion's a crazy show. Legion's awesome. I, I, Legion's cool. I thought, I, the, last, I thought the last season did something that I did not like at all, but um, I do think it's a good show. Yes. Um. So I really liked that a lot, where they were showing a lot of that out, and 
you, you saw some Sabretooth Conver, uh, uh, stuff, and, and, um, and that was super fun, and that was really cool, and I liked how they really played into that, because a lot of people have made the association between Kevin and, uh, in, in Legion, and, because, you know, they're, they're two characters with a schizophrenic disorder who have alternate personalities that they don't necessarily control. And I loved how Shyamalan kind of did that and that he kind of kind of showed it off a lot and had a lot of fun with it, too. But um, I, I really liked that, and I really appreciated that. And the movie felt really good, uh, and it was very solid, and it, it felt like a good conclusion to this storyline that he's been working on for, you know, since Unbreakable, basically. Um, I can see why people are not satisfied. I was sitting in the theater. The moment David Dunn dies, I was like, oh, come on. It really just kind of deflated me a bit. It wasn't until Glass got the upper hand that I was kind of like, okay. Because then I started to realize whose story it really was and what the kind of point of the story really was. And then I started thinking about it more and more, and I just sort of thought, like, like Samuel Jackson throughout this movie wants it to be a superhero story. He wants to take them to the tower. He wants them to fight. That wasn't his. That was. He realized once he knew that that wasn't going to be the case. That he was going to switch it on her and do everything in the parking lot of the institution so that it could be filmed. But. There was deep down he wanted to take it to that building. He wanted the world to see it with all the cameras. He wanted this movie to be a superhero movie while he was in it. Dr. Staple, on the other hand, was trying everything in her power not to do that. She was trying to create a narrative where these were not superheroes, that we weren't going to get a big battle in the end. They were going to go back to their cells, and they were going to treat them like people. So the fact that you don't get what you want... While at the same time having a character fighting for your desire to get what you want was interesting to me. And although the end result comes a little deflating, it's because this director wanted it. Like, no other director would have the guts to do that in a Marvel movie. This is 110% his vision. Whether you like it or not, this was his idea and he followed through on it. You can't get that in a studio-produced, mandated movie. He funded the money to get this made, and that's the ending you get, whether you like it or not. And I do appreciate that to a certain extent. Um, I would say in terms, like, there are dumb things about this movie. It's not a perfect movie. Um, for example, if lights are the only thing that stopped Kevin Wendell Crumb, why doesn't he just put a blindfold over his eyes and murder everyone then? Like... <laughs> that's the only. If that's the only thing that's stopping him, just like cut your clothes. They give him a bunch of clothes so that he can have different identities and stuff. Just like make a really thick blindfold and then attack. Cause that there are several scenes where the doctor is just standing in front of him. If inches feet away and he tries to like attack her and get out of the room, but she keeps flashing the light and he keeps changing personalities. All he has to do when there's like the weak, nice guard coming is just blindfold himself and attack that dude and murder him. And he'd be good. He'd be out of the room. There's no lights outside of the room. He just has to get out of that one doorway. There's literally nothing stopping it. So, like, there are, there are like dumb things about this movie. But at the end of the day, I didn't care when I was watching it. I I did enjoy it. Um, I would say this is not as 
this is not as like succinct and concise as Unbreakable, and it's not as great as Sixth Sense. I would put it up there with Signs. A lot of people are like putting it up there with his weakest, but I'm not. I disagree. I think a lot of people were like Chris, like Chris Tuckman. I think made some good points as to why this was a dumb movie and why he had it left a bad taste in his mouth. Yeah. But, and there are a lot of other people that are like slamming this movie and like folding ideas slammed this movie. But as I was watching his video, he kept talking about the pretension that the video has about comic book stuff. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you sound more pretentious hating this movie than he than the movie ever sounded about comic books. And I feel like there's a lot of people just jumping on the hate train with this. But I've re- I've read and looked up a lot of discussions from people who had open minds, and I gotta be honest. I think this movie over time is going to be appreciated a lot more for its willingness to go as far as it goes. Not just in goofiness, but in premise and in ideas and themes. Because it's not a character-driven movie, it's a theme-driven movie, the same way like a Bond movie is, or um, uh, Indiana Jones movie. Like, Indiana Jones does not change from the beginning to the end of his movies, he's still Indiana Jones. But you've also watched some things happen that make you think about some ideas. And that's what this is, like... Glass doesn't change, window doesn't change, nobody changes, but no. people, but things are revealed to you in a way that get you thinking. And honestly, I don't, I, I see how down the line people will watch this and be like, you know what, this is a pretty good uh, understanding of uh, comic books and how they're displayed on yeah. film. But yeah, there's a lot of people who are just br- like ripping into this without any real, like your, like your movie sucks made a video and a lot of it just kind of like flippantly threw a lot of things out there that could be easily explained in the movie. I, it just, it, it kind of bothers me how people are attacking this because it's kind of the train and throwing this in the same category as like lady in the water and stuff. And it's like, no, this is not as bad as lady in the water. This is not as pretentious as lady in the water. This has a lot more going for it. There's a lot of hurt in it, honestly. I don't know about heart, but it certainly it, it certainly sticks to the thing that is even in Lady in the Water, which is if you think it, if it you can do it. it. Like like make thoughts real. Like Shyamalan believes that. Shyamalan's a big proponent in like uh, thinking things into um, reality, and that's that's what this movie is about. It's about Glass doing the best he can to prove to the world that their potential and their worth is possible, that superheroes exist, that what makes you special uh, is in there, and don't let the normals tell you otherwise. Yeah. Again, this is another movie where I think, like, it's going to age very well, I think. I think Glass will age a lot better than people think it will. Um, I think you could forget about this movie for five, six years, watch it in five or six years, and really enjoy it again. And especially if you watch it, you know, Unbreakable Split Glass, back to back to back. I think, um, I, I really think, you know, since you and I have had this conversation about how we think very far down the line when the world has a different political outlook, that Last Jedi is going to be a much more acclaimed movie than it is right now instead of being this very hated movie by a, a majority of the fan base. I... I think that Glass is going to be kind of a very similar movie where right now people are not looking at it very lightly. But I think down the line when people get a better idea and they kind of understand that what the movie's trying to say and what it's trying to, and its themes is trying to do, which I think are very progressive themes, 
the movie's going to have a better... It's not going to be... It's not a perfect movie, let me be clear, but it's going to have kind of almost a little bit of a cult following. Yeah, I think it's going to be appreciated over time. I yep. do think it has some issues, but I don't think that it's a... It's not one of the worst movies he's ever made. No, he's made worse movies. He's made laughably worse movies. He's made flat-out boring movies, but I don't think this movie is that. Um, and a big help, a big help again is James McAvoy. Like, James McAvoy, again, is phenomenal. There's a scene where he switches in one camera shot, I think, into, like, seven different personalities. Yeah. It's great. He's fantastic. He's Again, he deserves a nomination this year. I don't see why they keep skipping it. In fact, there's an interview that he was doing with Sarah Paulson, and, like, he, they were uh, talking about stuff, and she's like, I think you should be nominated. In fact, I voted for you. And he's like, really? She's like, yeah, I voted for you and everything, because they say if you vote for that person and everything that is uh, um, up for, like, awards, like Golden Globes and all of them, that that person has a better chance. And he's like, you voted for me? She's like, yeah, for Split, for everything. And he was like, damn. But I think he deserves it again. He is really great. Um, and he, he's the most, he's the most also, like route. Not to not to toot the horn a little bit, but I'm really excited to see James McAvoy in another film that he's going to be in later this year. It, yeah, it too. Oh, like he's going to be in this year too. And time moves fast. I am so excited to see him in that alongside Jessica Chastain and Bill Hader and Isaiah Mustafa. No, that cast is great. Yeah, that cast, again, I'm holding, I'm holding off on watching it as a whole until that movie's closer to coming out. Which I had no real, I had no real reason to hold up other than just I wasn't getting around to it. But now that I'm closer to the sequel, I'm like, well, I'm just gonna wait. Yeah, uh, but the cast is great. That cast is great. So, um, before you guys give your grades, there's something I want to ask you guys. How, how does it look like? Give me the technical things about it. Like, how does it look and move? Especially when it gets oh, chaotic when during the action. How does he gorgeous. handle that? I, I think the movie looks gorgeous. I think, like, it looks as good as Split. And that's my opinion. I think it actually looks better than Split. But that's beside the point. I, I think uh, there's a lot of people who are like, this looks cheap. And it does look cheap. Um, in the sense that a lot of it is set in one setting. That they don't really move a lot of places. Um, but you could say the same thing about Split. Um, but they use the same cinematographer. Um, I I don't think it looks gorgeous, but I do think it lo- it's of the same quality as Split. There's a lot of like there there's the, there's still a clarity to the shots for sure. Uh, focus is still important. Depth is still important. But there are moments moments that genuinely caught my eye. Um, there's a moment, like the moment where James McAvoy's all of those personalities, it's switching back and forth uh, left to right with the camera between him and a nurse that he is attacked. Um, and he's switching the lights on him so that he's forced to change his personalities. The way the camera moves in that moment is really great. Um, there's a moment where they're fighting and the camera goes from their fight inside the van with the two nurses who are being captured, and you see the dents being put inside the van. It's really cool. There's a moment where uh, Glass and the Beast are are walking down the, the hallway in the basement, and he has to attack three guards, and he looks at Glass, and he's like, you need to roll away when I attack these guards. So you're watching him attack the guards in um, the background out of focus while Glass is rolling away in focus, 
and it's pretty cool looking the way that he's attacking him. There's a lot of really good moments of creativity and how they decide to use the camera. There's also some like stagnant shots of people talking a lot. So there's a lot of just like mid shots where the camera's just on a person. There's a lot of shots where um, you use security footage. So it's not necessarily cool looking or great looking. It's grainy security footage. But I do think that the cuts from one to another, I do think a lot of the head-on shots, especially with Kevin Wendell Crumb, there's a moment where he's talking to the cheerleaders at the beginning of the movie as Hedwig, and he's just sort of skating around, and then he stops, and he kneels down, and he starts talking to him to take off his skates, and the camera doesn't move, he just hits it perfectly on his mark. So there's a lot of... Uh, the thing about Split is that it was all about atmosphere, it's all about tension because it's way more of a thriller than this movie is. This movie is more about people sitting in a room and talking and then action happens. But it's it's sparse moments of action, I think, are executed really well. Hmm. Okay. Um. Okay. Um. So I, I would say when you when you do watch it, watch for how the camera moves and how it cuts from one scene to another because you're going to find that there's going to be a lot of moments where the camera's just sitting there. And yes, I think it understands framing really well, but once it starts to move and the action starts, like watch how the camera decides to go upside down in one moment or how it decides to take the perspective of Kevin when he's crawling on the wall or what angle. Like there's in the middle of his her discussion with all three of them she's she the when she looks at them it takes their time with each person but it's mostly on all three of them in one shot most of the time but when she focuses on focuses on them through questions you see her through their perspective so when she talks to david he's on the right side of the room so you see the camera sort of facing her from an angle of the right you see her talking to kevin kevin's in the center of the room so the camera's straight onto her but when she turns to glass and talks to him the camera's at a Dutch angle. And it's because his head has been tilted to the side because he's been sedated this entire oh. time. And you don't you don't think about it, his head being that way, and you don't notice that the perspectives are always from them when she's talking to them about certain questions until it cuts to him. And it's sort of like David is maybe accepting what she's saying and on the same pace as her. Kevin is starting to wane and doubt himself a little bit, but Glass has never stopped doubting her. He thinks there's something up with her, and he's always thought something is up with her. And th that is what that angle means. It's just small stuff like that. I do, and you know I like the, the little things. Um, I think it's filled with little things. Visually, yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'll give it a shot. I'm looking at showtimes right now, probably Saturday afternoon. Um, this is gonna... This is gonna this goes to your point, Alex, that people are probably slamming this a little too hard. It's at 36% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, no, I don't think it deserves that. No, this is, to me, a... This is like... I, I When I look at IMDb, it says 7.1 out of 10, and I think that's more appropriate. Like, my grade would be a B-, minus because I think uh, there's a little... I think there, the, the ballsiness of Shyamalan to take... A movie called Glass and have it be about a doctor and Glass finding each other really, but not really show that off till the end. To make it about two different characters, one wanting it to be an action superhero movie of the day and another person just saying, no, I'm going to make you sit in a room and talk to each other. 
we're going to talk this out. But the balls to have that be the like the real conflict of the film narratively as well as structurally, uh, that's that's guts. You don't you can't get that in a Marvel movie. Nope. You won't get that in a Marvel movie. You just won't. That is a auteur filmmaker decision by one vision, uh, not a bunch of producers. You're not gonna, you, that's not going to happen in Infinity War at all. And I, and I respect that. It didn't make me feel happy watching David Dunn die. It didn't give me the ending that I necessarily wanted. It just gave me what he wanted with 110% commitment. And I have to give it to him. So I, I instead of going C, I'm going to say maybe C+. Plus. Maybe over time I'll give it a B-, minus, but... Right now, I'm I'm gonna maybe I'll give it a B minus just because I think that there's a lot more uh, just because I think uh, James McAvoy pushes it uh, a little bit over. No, I'm gonna go C plus. I think C plus is the best way because over time I'm gonna see a lot of like stupid things and holes, but uh, overall I think I I enjoyed the experience and I walked away not necessarily smiling because the ending did give me a gut punch. But it, it also made me think about what I watched. And that I enjoy a lot more than just going, oh, I was satisfied. Let's go get some food. I, I walked away going, I want to I see some discussion on this. And the first things I started reading and watching were about how negative people's responses were. But then I started really diving into comment sections and stuff and getting everyday, ordinary film lovers' perspectives. Not just average film goers, but people who love film. And I was starting to get some really good ideas out of it and really starting to like nail some things in it that I was enjoying just thinking about. Yeah. And after that, and I, I like the fact that I can probably think about this movie for the next couple of days and enjoy it. So I'm going to give it a C plus, maybe a B minus down the line. Zach. I, I would agree with Alex. Uh, right now, it's probably a C plus. Uh, you know, maybe down the line, a year or two, maybe three, I can see it getting a little bit higher. But I, again, kind of like Alex said, I think the biggest thing that I really appreciated, and this is something we don't get a lot with Shyamalan, is that he went to an idea and he committed to that idea one hundred and ten percent. He he did not stray from his idea, and he created the story he wanted, whether or not it's the story the audience wanted. Yeah, I, I gotta say, um, I, I that takes it, I, I enjoyed the experience. Uh, most of it, most of it, I was sitting there really enjoying it. I was never bored. Although I can see other people being bored, I would put it up there with Signs. Like Signs has holes and it has problems and it's kind of stupid, but I never watched that movie bored. And I would, put, I would put this up there, too. The next time I watch this movie, no matter what point it is in it, I'm probably just going to be in it. And I'm probably going to want to sit down and watch the rest of it. Okay, so... It's actually interesting to think that he took... That he made the decisions that he made. Especially with all the Marvel movies going around right now. And yep. this comic book movie climate. And everybody expected, like, oh, he's going to do something, like, of the akin. I was like... You have you seen Shyamalan? Of course well, not. He's gonna Chris, do you his thing. You haven't seen Shyamalan either. I haven't I, seen him, and I knew it probably wasn't gonna go that way. No, this movie was gonna have a weird ending, no matter what was gonna happen. Uh, I, in fairness, you know, I've seen quite a bit of Shyamalan. I didn't expect him to kill off all his main characters, but. <laughs> 
No. Yeah, I didn't see that happening either. I Shyamalan's not really known for killing off all his main characters, and that's not really something he does. But I don't really know what Shyamalan's thing is anymore because he hasn't been the same person he's been for the last ten years. Yeah, well. I, I mean, I, I didn't. I didn't see him doing it either, but thematically it makes sense with what he's trying to say, which, I mean, out of nowhere, a government, a sneaky secret society comes in and murders them all, and there's no hint to it or anything. You always know that something's up with Sarah Paulson. There's just something weird about her. Oh, yeah. I'm going to be honest. Every time Sarah Paulson's in a project, I kind of expect, like, a man. At this point, now, after watching Apocalypse and seeing this, every time I see Sarah Paulson, I'm expecting, like, a slaughter at the end. I, I I just it comes out of nowhere. There's no hints. There's no nothing. It's not like she has a backstory. Even when she takes David Dunn's hand so he can see her sin, there's not really much of an explanation. It just says I'm in a secret society. That's it. But they kill him off for the, for the exact purpose of keeping the status quo and making sure that normality is the way things are. And that is the exact opposite of what Unbreakable was. The whole point of Glass and Unbreakable is to say you are not normal, you are special, don't let the world tell you you are normal, don't let yourself tell you you are normal. Your potential is unlimited, it is infinite. You have the ability to be something more. And the point of this movie at the end is to is that he lets the world know, he lets everyone know that could be a superhero, that they have that ability, that they have the ability to be something more. So if they had to die for that to happen, that makes sense. Because, like, Glass is the villain up to that point, up to the point that she kills them all. And you realize she has nefarious motives. And you think, oh, that sucks. Like, I've been watching a movie about these characters trying to do something, and she just comes in and stuffs them out. Well, that sucks, and that doesn't make any sense. But then you realize he had the upper hand all along. And then you want his plan to happen. And his plan succeeds, and you realize that it actually has a happy ending, despite the fact that he had to murder a bunch of people to do it. Well, she murdered a bunch of people to do it, too. Yeah. So, Glass, everybody, as as reported by Alex and Zach. So, yeah, I don't, I don't, I think people are hating on this because they want to. I mean, anyone who says this movie looks bad or moves bad or, or, has, or just isn't shot well, they need to pay more attention to it. Anyone who says that, like, Bruce Willis is phoning it in, they're right. Uh, <laughs> anyone, who, anyone who says that, like, Samuel Jackson is underutilized, they're right. Um, but James McAvoy is great. Um, and I don't think that this movie is... I don't think that this ending is phoned in or dumb. I think he's trying to say something. I don't think he... Um, and I give and I give him credit for committing to it. The real question is: Are do you think that he's being pretentious about his comic book dialogue and ideas, or do you not? Can you can you get invested in what he's talking about without feeling like you're being talked down to? And I found that that is a big problem with a lot of people. There's a lot of people walking away being like, God, I feel like he's just up his own butt with all this comic book stuff, the same way he was up his own butt about storytelling in Lady in the Water. It's like, no, 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 Lady in the Water is real bad it, it, it's real bad this movie i f- didn't feel that i didn't feel it was talking down to me about comic book ideas because the one person who's doing it the most is glass and that's what glass did all throughout unbreakable 
every other line he says is unbreakable is like a, a comparison to comic books. He does the same thing here, and he re- that's when the dialogue really starts to like get on its high horse about it. But even then, like I never felt at any point that he was being overly pretentious about it in the way that he has been other stuff. And it's not like anyone in the film is talking in the same monotone way they do The Happening or Sixth Sense or to a lesser... Like, those are just monotone performances that are bad because they just don't work. And then there's The Last Airbender where they just got really bad actors. And he's just he's just getting terrible performances out of bad actors. This actually didn't sound or the dialogue didn't feel as stunted or as monotone as other... Shyamalan movies which I really appreciated he's done worse and for people to walk away and say this is like happening Lady of the Water quality they're just jumping on a train that's all they're doing they they expected him to fail they wanted him to fail well the box office would say different because I'm hearing it's doing very well um, well it was also only made for 20 million dollars so it was going to make his budget back pretty quickly better it didn't have to do much to do well um, it, it's obvious that most of that money went to get all of these actors, including Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson. But at the same time, it, didn't James Rasmussen kind of say he'd basically do it for free because he wanted to do another one? Well, he's also he's also the most entertaining ass. Like, why would you not? You, he's young, he's hungry, and it's one. It's the best role of his career, bar none. He, he, of course, he'd want to do that again for free. But like Bruce Willis, I mean, he didn't actually do a long, long, long time ago. Bruce Willis doesn't care at all. I would, I would say, Chris, that there's probably like there, there, because there's a huge chunks of the movie where he's wearing his hood and his cape. There's probably just a standing. Yeah, I, I'm gonna be honest. It shows. It really shows that. Uh. It really shows when he only. It it really shows when they're only in a couple locations. It it shows when they show uh, deleted scenes of Unbreakable when he was caring about his acting, that yeah. he was like a good actor then, and then they cut to him in this movie, and you just see that that's sort of not there anymore. So yeah, and, and say more more than half the movie Samuel Jackson is catatonic. So there's that too. But like a, for a movie where most of its money went to its cast, it's pretty. It's making its money back real fast. Yeah, like I've seen GI Joe Retaliation. I've seen A Good Day to Die Hard. I've seen what else? Uh, the Expendables. Yeah, Bruce Willis checked out. Like. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the opposite of Harrison Ford. One at a time. He didn't expend as a favor to Stallone, not because he wanted to do it. Exactly. More to my point. The last time Bruce Willis ever really cared about one of his performances was uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Okay. That was a while ago, actually. All right. So. Yeah. That's there's glass. I'm probably gonna see it Saturday afternoon. Um, so yeah, um, and I'll give my report next week. So uh, because uh, Brian Singer is a um, probably a rapist, and the my computer didn't like that, we don't have any X Men to upload. So we're just gonna start fresh. Scrap it. We're going fresh. So we're gonna spin the good wheel. Before we do that. Good wheel. 
Before we do that, what are we replacing it with, guys? Nominations, please. For movie series? No, for oh. just a single good movie. Where did I put it? Oh, there? single good movie. Uh, you know, because I want to do it, uh, Summer Wars. What? Summer what Wars. Is what is that? Movie Summer Wars. Yep. Okay. Um, why? You gotta give me any retort. Because it's a really good movie and the director's up for an Academy Award nomination right now. Which one? Um, animated picture. Oh, I see. Yeah. Which one? Mirai. Oh, Mirai. Never mind. Okay. Um, Alex, do you have one? Uh, yeah, mine was a little bit more gritty. I was gonna say, uh, if you've never seen a David Fincher movie, we should go Fight Club. Ooh, I like Fight Club. Ooh, Fight Club. Um, I was... Sorry. Um, I was going to say, screw it, Independence Day. Um, but, um... Let's see here. I'm looking at my shelf. Um... Uh, not to leave or something here. I won't put that in there. Um... Dude, this is a tough. This is a tough choice. Oh yeah, we put dread on the back burner. I know that's an option. Oh yeah, that's right, we did. That was on. That was on the back burner for a long time. Okay. I still haven't watched dread either. Yeah. Argo. I have a Blu-ray burning space on my shelf. Argo. That's one of my favorites since we're in Oscar season. Yeah, Argo's pretty good. We are spinning a wheel of random. We might not get to it before Oscar season. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's why I said Summer Wars. It's a director who's just good. He has a lot of good projects behind him. And it's not... also one of your favorite movies. It's also one of my favorite movies. <laughs> that helps, too. <laughs> um... And it, it's not gritty. It's not violent. It's just a very fun movie. I mean, there is that scene where a guy has sex with a goat, but it's pretty good. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's the Prime Minister of Britain, right? What is that? Okay? <laughs> 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 wow. I was just right. but the fact that you the Black Mirror reference is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. I kind of want to suggest it, but I don't know if Chris will do it. No, no. First of all, it's not a movie. We can't it's suggest Bender Snatch. One at a time. Oh my god, it's so good though. No, we can't do Bender Snatch. No way. Man, oh Bender Snatch? Oh boy, I would honestly do Bender Snatch. We can't because it's a choose your own adventure. There's so many different ways that all three of us could go. We all three won't get the same story. Exactly. So we can't talk about. That and none of us have none of us have the time guy. to keep going through all the different versions. Yeah, I mean, you could do the easy. Well, there's an easy. Uh, there's a hundred and there's a ninety minute version where if you don't choose any of the options, it just goes straight through it without anything. Yeah, no, but that's no fun. That I is guess. No Screw it. Uh, I I don't know. <laughs> it's either good or Independence Day for me. I don't know. Go with your gut. Independence Day, you want it? That's fine. But let's do a wheel to figure out which of the three we do. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. Um. I'm gonna do a wheel of 
Okay, I can't decide, so I'm going to do a Wheel of Four, if that's okay with you guys. A Wheel of Four? What's the fourth one? Uh, Dread. Oh, okay. Since we put it on the Brack burner, it's only fair. Fair enough. In fact, I will take my... I'll take my Fight Club out, and I'll stand for Dread. <laughs> <laughs> really? Because, yeah, we put Dread on the back burner so many times, and right now I'm like, Fight Club out of the blue? No, screw it. Let's, I'll stand for Dread, because that was the one I initially put, too. Um, okay. What else was the, what was the other one? Um, Independence Day. Summer Wars and it's Independence Day. Independence Day. Okay. We saw the bad one. Um... And what was it, Summer Wars? Okay. Summer. Sorry, you're hearing all this vibration out of my phone. I know you two are hearing that. Um. Okay. Between Dread, Summer Wars, and Independence Day. Uh. 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 Oh, wow. It is, it is Independence Day. Oh. <laughs> oh, good, good. You're a tease. What do you mean I'm a tease? I just <laughs> said it when it's fun. He's like, uh, uh, oh. Because it was stopping. <laughs> oh. Okay, so the choices on the wheel as of right now. Labyrinth. Yep. Dogma. Forgot okay. about that one, didn't you? Um, I like Dogma, dude. Dogma, you're gonna like Dogma, dude. I mean, like you forgot I, it was on the wheel. Do, do. Um, Looper. Uh, whoops. Uh, Clueless. Um, The Incredibles. Uh, um, Surfs Up. <laughs> Treasure Planet. <laughs> um, Tintin. Hardcore Henry. Heat, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, Pulp Fiction, and The Big Lebowski. Which may or may not be getting a sequel because Jeff Bridges is being cryptic right now. Well, no. People think that's an Oscar thing. It's It might not be a sequel. Oh, okay. No, um, it's not that it's getting as... I mean, I haven't heard about a sequel, but no, John Turturro has been very clear that he's already shot and filmed a movie just about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> It's 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 an Oscar thing. They think it's a thing for the Oscars, which would be fine. Alright. But I'm not kidding. Retro actually made a movie starring his side character in the Big Lebowski. Like he's already made it. Oh really? That's funny. Yeah. That's oh, hilarious. Okay, you guys ready? Yeah. Oh boy, what's it gonna be? I can't look. He, he, I think because he has his phone on silent, we can't hear the farts. Yeah, I know, right? <gasps> Oh, no! It's Pulp Fiction! <laughs> yes! 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 <laughs> I knew it! I freaking knew it! I knew it! I knew it was going to land on that! I knew it! I knew it from the moment we started the show! From the moment we started this episode, it was going to land on that! I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny, Chris, is we're going from one Samuel L. Jackson movie to oh another one. Oh my god, I knew another it! Movie. I knew it! To another Samuel L. Hey, Jackson Bruce hey, Willis movie. Hey, hey, Chris. Chris. What? English motherfucker, do you think it? <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> what did we say we were going to replace it? Independence Day, right, okay. Yeah. Independence Day. English, motherfucker. No, that, that's, that's a very good point, Zach. We're going straight from a Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis movie to a Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis movie. Yeah. Oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious. I'm not even worried anymore. I'm just, like, in a delirium now. I love Dude, this it. is perfect. I want to watch this movie right now. <laughs> Uh, I gotta pull this off my shelf and get to sit and watch it. I'm so excited, dude. Same here. I'm gonna pull it off the shelf, but I'm gonna watch it on Netflix. Oh, <laughs> oh is it on Netflix? Good. I don't have to pay any money. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's on Netflix. I'm gonna double check now, but at the same time, uh, that's awesome. I've been waiting for this forever. Hell to the yeah. <laughs> okay, so Chris, you need you need to watch this more than once this week. Oh man, really? Okay. Oh, Chris, this is the kind of movie where you need to sit and watch it multiple times. I don't think you need to watch it multiple times, but I would certainly suggest if you... Well, we're not taking notes anymore, so I guess since we're not taking notes anymore, you don't necessarily have to. You can just go by the first experience. But if, yeah, if you don't want to take notes on it, then I would just say watch it the day of. But if you do want to take notes, then watch, watch it more than once. Yeah, it's on Netflix for sure. Okay. Uh, I'm looking right now. Hold on. Uh, yeah, the stylized crime caper weaves together the stories featuring a burglar-loving hitman, his philosophical partner, and a washed-up boxer. Yep, there it Hell is. Hell yeah. Now, oh, whoops. Um, These Netflix uh, previews are weird. Oh, my goodness. Oh, stop it! All right, so, um... Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. I am like I am like I'm delirious now. Like I'm now I'm used to this. Like this is what happens. Um when you put fiction on the wheel, yeah. <laughs> How long has it been <laughs> since we started, right? It was like Yeah, since we started early, yeah. It's been like almost a full year. Yeah. Oh man. And then now well, I, gotta, we... I gotta get going, guys. Okay, so. so let's let's wrap it up here. So um <laughs> so next next time, pulp fiction guys. Um <laughs> God have mercy on my soul, and we will talk to you later. Say goodbye guys. Bye bye.